1: I'm waiting for teams. I can still play. I can play. It's not even a question, man. But you know, sometimes you don't get in the game, man. What are you going to do? I'm not going to be upset. I'm going to support. So if I don't play, like this year on the Lakers, I could have averaged 15 or 20 on the Lakers if I played. Easily. Fantasy Basketball Show, brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can always do that at RedRock_Bball. underscore B-ball. Of course, this is the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Show, previously the Red Rock Fantasy Basketball Show. New name, same content, same subpar content, uh, some people would say. But you can uh, always find this podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on Google Play, anywhere like that. And of course, it goes live on YouTube. And if you are watching along live on YouTube, welcome. And if you want to tweet any questions, you can do so at the aforementioned Twitter handle, we are today going to be talking about the Red Rock Dynasty League, which is a 400-player deep dynasty league that we started up last year with a bunch of listeners and some fantasy analysts as well. Heading into our second season now, and we just did the uh, the rookie draft. So it's a 16-team league. We did a three-round rookie draft, 16 uh, players per round. Obviously, so 48 rookies got drafted, so we want to break down that draft and sort of be able to relate the picks and how they went down with our, our thoughts on uh, the rookie's that got selected and where they got selected and by our it's not me and my multiple personalities i am joined by two members of the red rock dynasty league one of them you will know from the daily fantasy basketball podcast fame mark roberts mark how you going I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm uh, good, Mark. It's good to have you back on. And the other Mark was actually the champion of the Red Rock Dynasty League. The other person I'm joined by is another member of that league. Uh, the person who won last year's inaugural Red Rock Salary Cap League, which we've converted into a thirty-team salary cap league this season. Welcome, David Hopkins. David, how are you going?
0: Fantastic. Thanks for having me on.
1: Not a problem. Now, David is a, uh, a fantasy champion from way back, playing back. I'll oh, give us a bit of your uh, your fantasy history, David, because it's uh, long and impressive.
0: Oh well, thanks for that. But uh, so I've been playing since about 2000, um, Australian like yourself. Uh, I've had some highs. I was uh, number one ranked uh, player on Boozer Sports back in the day when he had his rankings out. So I always like to tell people I was number one in the world, whether that's true or not. I like to say, you know. But I've had some lows where I've turned, uh, where I've made my team fantasy god and uh, come dead last in my mates' league. So. I've had the highs and lows of fantasy over the last twenty years. Yeah, we've all uh, we've all had those sort of
1: issues of uh, of um, not uh, things not working out, and when you're in a, a somewhat public uh, eye like uh, I am at the moment, any uh, mistake you make gets um gets amplified fairly uh, fairly largely, and it can be uh, rather embarrassing. So David and Mark are here with me today. We're going to be breaking down these draft picks and talking about these rookies and just dynasty play in general. But before we get into that, first of all, let's get to it. To it, of course. Let's um, talk about the biggest news in the NBA over the last couple of days. I haven't done a podcast in the last three or four days, and in that time, we've had Russell Westbrook signing an extension with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and it's great news, obviously, for the NBA. It's great news if you're a Thunder fan. Everyone wants to see Westbrook remain with the Thunder, except if you're a Lakers fan, and uh, if you're a Lakers fan at this point, just give up on, not on life, but just give up on trying to think that you're getting every single free agent because let's be honest it's been 16 years since a big free agent has headed to LA and let's just put yourselves just lump yourselves in with uh with the Bucks fans and with uh, the Hawks fans who actually had more free agent success than the Lakers have had and that's fine it's fine to be just another NBA team and not expect every single superstar to come to your team Westbrook hey he might come at some point but not at the moment. Now, the one thing I wanted to do here, guys, and we're talking about that this before we went to Aaron to pour a little bit of cold water on this uh, Westbrook signing. It's great for him to be there this season, but in all honesty, and if we break it down, he's signed for one more year. He was going to be there this year, he's banked himself an extra $10 million this year. And he signed for one more year. He's delayed his free agency by one year. So, yes, he signed a three-year contract. It's not a three-year extension. It's three years including this year. And the third year is a player option, which he will surely decline. So then he can get himself into the 35% uh, cap big 10-year max where he can get himself 35 million a year. So that might be with the Thunder. That might be with another team. But every talk of Russell Westbrook being the most loyal man in the world of... And any talk of anyone coming out there, and you see this all the time, and most of the time you should be cringing when you see this, but any tweets that involve or Facebook comments that involve Russell Westbrook is a real man, and man is in capital letters, and that person is is, um, very insecure in their own manhood, I'm guessing, because it doesn't take a a man to sign with a team. Durant's not not, not a man because he signed with the Warriors, whatever. It's great. I love that Westbrook signed with a Thunder. I love Westbrook; he's one of my favorite players. But let's not make it into something that it's not. He signed a one-year extension. He's there for one more year. It's great. His fantasy value is going to be awesome. But oh, actually, I'll talk to you two guys about it. I don't think he's going to be number one, David. What do you think?
0: In hit to hit yeah, I think he's number one. Okay. Well, I think he'll go number one. I, I think. I think. So, he'll I, definitely I think go I, I'd still. Sorry.
1: I think he would definitely go number one.
0: I think he'll go number one. I like a uh, safer bet. I think fantasy is pretty stressful as it is, so I like to know exactly what I'm getting, and I think I can get that out of James Harden, I think, who will put up uh, huge numbers this year. Mark, how do you view it?
2: So I got two points. One is non-fantasy. So, yeah, I guess he was loyal, and he stuck around for one more year. It's actually the most logical financial decision for him to make. He gets an extra $10 million, as you mentioned, this year he extends one more year, which gets him to the 10 year threshold and gets him to be a free agent when he can make 35% of the salary cap. So uh, the most money he can make over the next two years is by doing this and then he sets himself up for like a $200 million contract. So a pretty shrewd move actually. Uh, Fantasy wise, I just looked up on NBA Wowie, his points per possession um, with Kevin Durant on the court for the past two years has been 1.01 his points per possession with Kevin Durant off the court has been 1.03 so essentially the same he scores about the same rate takes a few more shots with Durant off the court but he his his field goal percentage is lower which which sort of intuitively makes sense he's going to put up more shots he's going to make less of them i'm not sure it changes his value a, a lot the the fact that he is going to like i said i think you know might shift cate- where which categories the value is in but i'm not sure overall value goes up all that much
1: yeah, I'm, I'm with you, my He's going to go number one in, in basically every league. And if I ever get the number one pick, which I've had once in my history of playing fantasy, one number one pick ever, and that was a, a time when I picked Kevin Durant, and then a week later he broke his foot. So that was a great number one pick in that year. If I ever get number one, I will pick Harden at number one. Um, And there's lots of reasons behind that, but... When Durant was out with that broken foot in that second half of the 2014-15 season, everyone will point to that. Oh, you saw it. Westbrook, beast mode. He went, you know, he was the man. He took over. He got nine triple doubles in a row or whatever it was he got. That's fine. If you look at that time frame, he wasn't the number one fantasy player in that time. I think he was number four or number yeah. five. And that the point I was making, Mark, before you came on, I was talking to David about it, that Thunder team was significantly worse than the current Thunder team because Durant was out, yes but they replaced Kevin Durant with Kyle Singler. This year, they replaced Kevin Durant with Victor Oladipo. Who would you prefer from an offensive point of view?
2: Yeah, it, exactly. It, it, it,
1: Oladipo is doing a lot more than what Singler will do. So therefore, Westbrook won't have to take 50 shots a game and, and do all that. And he was doing that on that Thunder team, not because he was you know some alpha male who was beating his chest, going, this is my team, I'm doing it. Because he literally had to. Because the other guys around him were... were Andre Robertson, were, were Kyle Singler were Anthony Morrow were guys who can't can't do it Victor Oladipo can do it not to the same degree but he can and Westbrook for as much crap that he gets everywhere he he was happy giving the ball to Durant plenty of times it's not like Durant was sitting there getting 9 shots a game Durant was shooting the ball 20 plus times a game and it wasn't it wasn't Westbrook giving it to him, and then going off and sulking, going, "I want to, pl- I want to take 50 shots." It, he has this weird reputation where people just misread a lot of the things that he does, and, and I, I love uh, everything that Westbrook does. But the Oladipo to Singler upgrade means that Westbrook isn't going to be getting a triple double every single game. He's still going to get lots of them, but he doesn't—he doesn't equate to number one to me. He's going to go number one, but to me, I'm not—I'm not all that interested in uh, in him at that spot.
2: So, Josh, so here's a question for you, Josh. Yeah. How many? So, auction value. If you were in an auction, how much? How many more dollars is Westbrook worth than he? More,
1: more dollars than last About year. Um, five? Is it zero? I, I think it's less than five. It's more than zero. It, it's maybe two or th- yeah, two or three extra. Now, look, last year he probably went undervalued in, in auctions, given how good he was, because people were, were like okay Durant's back he's not going to be as good and that was that was a fallacy in itself because he was always being a top five guy with Durant anyway so I think he probably went underpriced a bit last year but from pure value point of view maybe he gets an extra two or three bucks worth of value
2: right no I totally agree and and, you know he could have been the first pick with Durant on his team I don't think that was that would be a stupid move no But I just don't think his value changes that much So if you want to take him one, I think that's fine But I don't think it's just a slam dunk now that Durant's gone
1: I think a lot of people are going to be And that's what I want Look, it's it is going to be fine to take him one But a lot of people are going to be like You have to take him one It's absolutely Westbrook at one If you don't take him at one, you're a dickhead It's going to be lots of that sort of thought process Much like it was last year with Anthony Davis And we all know how that turned out David, <laughs> you were going to say something?
0: I was just going to say, how much fun would it be to have uh, Russell Westbrook on your uh, team next year? Because he is going to have a run at uh, trying to be MVP of the league. And I I think he will be running around beating his chest and uh, trying to have just the biggest year he'll ever have. So to be a great
1: ride to be on. He he will go around beating his chest, but he does that regardless of what what's happening. He's playing <laughs> he's playing with Kevin Durant. He does. It. I reckon if when he goes home and cooks dinner for his missus, he goes down home and beats his chest <laughs> and just runs around and just you know yeah, look at that pasta. Yeah, I reckon there's some of that happening. I he's he's very much in that. Um, you need to just calm down for a sec, Ross. But I, I reckon off the court, he's a he's a real. I reckon he looks like a real good bloke off the court. But what would I know? I've never spoken to him. Um, Trading. We're doing Red Rock Dynasty leagues at the moment, two 30-team leagues, two real salary 30-team leagues, plus this um, second-year Red Rock Dynasty league. People are addicted to trading. I am absolutely convinced of that more than anything. The amount of trades that are going down in these leagues are, are literally out of control. Um, in the Red Rock Dynasty league, which we're going to talk about today, we had a three-round rookie draft, and during that draft, there were 16 trades. There was 40, <laughs> 48 draft picks and 16 trades. And not including two of them, two days, two trades two days before and one two days after. So we're almost talking 20 trades in that draft period. The other leagues, there's trades going on all over the place. People trading draft picks without knowing what pick's going to be, what player's going to be around at that pick. Just, I'll give you my three and seven, you give me your four and five, and that is happening... Uh, there is, I can't even count. And so I reckon there's been 30 trades in one of those leagues and we're up to about pick 90. There is just trades going all over the place. And a lot of the time... People are trading because they love trading, because they're addicted to trading, because they want to click the button and they want to do something. Oh, what am I going to do? Um, my pick's not for 20 more picks. Oh, let's trade. Cool. Accept. Accept. And with the general thought process of trading, you're going to lose. You're going to lose these trades. You are never going to win every trade. And there's a real chance that if you're just over-anxious to trade, you're going to lose you're going to lose out on these deals because you're going to make a trade for the sake of making a trade rather than waiting for a trade that's in your best interest and a lot of people will be saying okay let's people oh i need to make a trade and not not saying no look let's just leave that one alone and let's not deal with it because it's not in my favor that's another thing that i wanted to bring up as well we had a uh a mild controversy in the Red Rock Dynasty League with a trade and I want to go into the details of it but one of the uh, participants in the league I, I said something about fair trades and he said I was a little bit concerned the commissioner says that he doesn't want fair trades and that's what I said I said I don't want fair trades in a league and I wanted to expand upon that point so that everyone can understand my point and, and for the person in that league as well you can understand my point as well I don't want fair trades in a league because what is the point of a fair trade if I'm doing a trade I don't want a fair trade I want to win and if I don't win the trade, I'm not doing it. And that's as simple as that. Everyone that comes into a league knows what the league is. They should know the league settings. They should know how their team works. If they lose a trade, it's on them. As another owner in the league, I'll sit there and go, oh, damn it, look, that is, that's a bad trade. That got that other team better. But that's just the way it goes. I don't. If I'm offering a trade, I'm not, I don't want a fair trade because if it, by definition, if a trade is fair... That means we both come out equal and we both come out the same as we were beforehand so what's the point and that's my point now if there's if there's cheating different thing colluding cheating i don't want any of that but fairness i i do not care if a fair is trade a trade is fair and if i'm the one doing the trade i sure as hell don't want the trade to be fair mark any thoughts on that
2: yeah i mean so generally this always comes up in pretty much every league that anybody plays in is there's a trade that gets made for whatever reason people have hard feelings about because it's it skews the balance of the league and and my 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 thought usually in these situations is just you know everybody needs to be respected as you can run your team how you want to run your team Yep. so unless unless you're gonna babysit people and make sure that they don't make bad moves everybody should be allowed to make the moves they, they want to make and like you can't really police draft picks you can't really police um, you know auction bids you can't drops and ads um, so it, it really is inconsistent to try to police trades as well I think
1: yeah I'm, I'm, I'm with you completely on that um, David how do you see the the trading?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I want to be able to work someone over for two or three days and tell them that we're in a win-win situation. But when I'm finished with that trade, I want them to be uh, feeling a little bit sick in their stomach, going, uh, "What have I done? What's just happened to me?" I just want to negotiate the best trade for me. So, uh, you know, we're all we're all big boys and girls in these leagues, and uh, we're going to be able to make our own decisions. And if they're the wrong decision, it's uh, Stiff bad shit. luck. Say so at the bottom of the ladder, you'll get a good draft pick next year. <laughs> exactly. Well, and
2: David, you make a good point. Like there are there are win win trades, especially in dynasty leagues. If somebody's playing for this year, somebody's yep. playing for a, a future year. Um, you know, there are or if you're focused on certain categories, somebody else is focused on certain categories or positions or whatever. There are times where the trades definitely help both people.
1: Oh, absolutely and that's that's fine as well but if it doesn't end up helping both people in someone else's eyes it it, it doesn't matter It's to me it's not right. a big deal I'm not I, I don't want a league where every trade has to be exact value on either side I don't want to have to bring up the trade analyzer on Basketball Monster put the things in and go okay well you got 1.2 value and this other person got <laughs> 0.8 value no deal oh, that's not the way it goes so if someone can end up getting a better deal fine until I find out that they're Then it's just ludicrous cheating and then it'd just be like cool your ass is out of this league like that's that's fine but in terms of fairness for trade and that's look at possibly why i don't get a huge amount of trades done because i'm not doing a trade just for the sake of doing it unless i'm winning it unless i'm getting what i want out of it then i'm just not doing it and that's why i don't pull put through many trades now in this dynasty league draft i think i executed two trades which is to me is a Huge amount, cause I reckon I did three or four all of last season in all 12 of my leagues combined, and I did two during this draft. And and that's fine. I, I think that in dynasty there's a, there's a lot more leeway in terms of who's getting the, the best value and your um, theory on, on winning or your um, criteria on what constitutes a win is generally a lot broader because you have different thought processes or different valuations of players because you're not looking at what's happening this year. What's happening in two years' time? You've got to take salaries and contracts and and other players and, and all that into consideration. But I just wanted to get that thought off my chest because I tried to explain it a little bit in tweets yesterday to the league and it didn't uh, – I don't know if it came across well, but that's my thoughts on fair trades. I just – just win your trade. That's as, as simple you know, as that. The other
2: thing that always is funny to me about trades is like we can sit here and analyze like what is fair, what's not fair – but we don't really know, right? Yeah, exactly. Like like you can make a trade that seems lopsided for you. I've done this before where I'm like, oh that's a home run. Like I just totally fleece the other guy and because of injury or because of poor performance, the trade ends up being a disaster for me.
1: Well, you can look at it in the NBA as well, when uh Boston traded Rajon Rondo for Jay Crowder. Oh cool. Rondo Right Rondo clearly the better player. Nah, sorry. He he's not Crowder. By four, Crowder was better, and they four, got a
2: first-round pick, yeah. and they got Brandon Wright, who they got a first-round pick for. Yeah, and four or five of those guys, you
1: know, Crowder's four or five times better than Rondo at this point in their careers. <laughs> and at that point, Jay Crow, like, oh, I was like Jay Crowder, he's useless. Like, what is the point? Like, he is terrible. Boston got nothing back in return here. They're going to get themselves back a, a bottom four first-round pick. There's nothing. Yeah, cool. That worked out real well for Dallas. Yeah, Rondo didn't even That's last it. the season.
0: That's a perfect example of uh, what's happening in our uh, dynasty league as well. That, um, you know We've got teams that are playing like Philly and uh, Boston that are really getting up those assets, and then we've got other teams that are just holding no players at all, just waiting for each, each actual player draft, and uh, just playing year by year. It's a Dallas versus a Philly sort of mindset.
1: Exactly. Well, that, that that takes us into this draft, David. So thank you for your professional segue there. Let's talk about the uh, the draft that went down. As I said, there's 16 teams in this league. Um, we had three rounds. So, yeah. by theory, three picks for each team. The two people I'm joined by here combined for a total of two draft choices. Mark contributing zero of those. David had two picks, and I had two picks myself, so we weren't the most prolific of drafters, but I think it gives us a um, maybe a non-biased or a less biased view of some of the selections that went down, given we weren't the ones that were making those teams. One of the teams, I think, had 10 selections in this draft, and you know, compared to Mark's, zero. That's uh, obviously a, a big discrepancy. I want to talk about the couple of trades that, that I made in this just so people um, are aware of what happened. I came into this with pick 9 in the first round and I came into it with pick 2 in the third round and I ended up trading both of those selections. The first pick that I traded, if I just need to go back down to my list, I traded pick 9 and I got back pick 14 and pick 15, so the two, two of the back end picks in the first round. So I ended up with 14 and 15. Then I traded pick 14 along with Derek Rose um, and required Nikola Mirotic in that deal. And Mirotic is on a significantly higher salary than Rose, an extra 20 bucks, so I'm taking on extra salary and actually handicapping myself when it comes up to the free agent draft as well. Um, so there was a risk involved in that. Actually, I made a third trader. I forgot that I made a third one as well. And then I traded my, um, I think I traded it to you, David. Is that correct? It
0: did, it was, I think um, my, I wanted to get out of the second round, and uh, so I gave you my late second round pick for your early third round pick and cash considerations.
1: Yeah, so we traded uh, pick pick 12 in round two is what David had, and he gave that to me, and I gave him pick two in round three. And a, a straight swap of pick 28, which is what... Pick pick 28 for 34 doesn't seem like it's a... um. I mean, there's no way to rationalize it. but in this league if you pick in the in the second round you are locked into a six dollar contract if you pick in the third round you're locked into a three dollar contract so david wanted to shed that three dollars worth of salary by getting a third round pick. And I wanted to move up because I wanted to grab my guy that I, that I wanted there at that uh, 12th pick in the second round. So that was the the third of those trades that, uh, that I made in that draft. So remade my team a little bit. But let's get into the actual draft. At number one, I don't think there was any doubt that Ben Simmons was going to go at number one. Can you see any situation, Mark, in any sort of dynasty league where Simmons wouldn't be the number one rookie taken?
2: no. I can I'm, I'm. trying to come up with something interesting to say, but I, there's really no no situation where I wouldn't take him first.
1: Well, I'll, I'll put this to you then, David. We we talked about this before we uh, went on went went on air, so you're prepared for the question. Out of all the rookies, on opening night, how many start for their NBA teams?
0: Well, I think we think maybe two start, and I think it's going to be uh, Simmons and uh, and Hyde. And I don't think Hyde's a lock, but uh, Simmons definitely starts. Outside of that, I really can't see anyone else starting for their uh, their NBA
1: team. Yeah, we're definitely at one. Buddy might get a uh, might get a start in New Orleans. We don't know, Mark. How do you say? Do you see that there's maybe more than two guys at start, or is it definitely one or two? Probably. Mark,
2: yeah. how do you see? Yeah. Mark. Hey. Yeah. Can I'd, you hear me? Yeah, I can. Yeah. How, how, how
1: do you how do you see it? rookies who'll start on opening night?
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to think through the top. I mean, I think Dunn might start depending on what happens in Minnesota, but at this point he doesn't. Um, He'll probably start. I don't see anybody else that starts.
1: Yeah, look, the other one we talked about was Ingram, but I don't think that he's going to start opening night. He'll probably start at some point, but I don't think that he is the opening night starter. So when we look at rookies and we look at dynasty drafts, you're not going to get a huge amount of impact from these guys straight up. And that's pretty common with any sort of draft class. We were spoiled last year by getting Carl anthony Towns being a top 20 guy, but that is just so far from the norm that it's just not worth considering, especially in this sort of a a draft where the players are considered uh, significantly weaker. Like we had Chris Stapp's just? with his great season last year, but still was outside the top 50 in a cat league. So yeah, he was still good.
2: And and I would say he's an anomaly. Like he's not, you don't normally get somebody that good in a, in a rookie draft.
1: Absolutely. I think we had maybe two other guys that cracked the top 100 and they were barely inside the top 100. I don't even think they were top 80 and that is four top eight, four top 100 guys is not something that's common. And we're just not going to get that here. We just look by the end of the season. You might, you'll probably see Ingram starting. You might see, now I'm looking you might not see anyone else you might see Zubac starting you might see Karis LeVert starting in Brooklyn
2: what about Murray Murray could start right over who over Harris I guess no that's the hard part he's
1: not starting over Harris I'm I'm
2: not so I'm not so sure Denver doesn't have a couple of moves to make
1: they are. I was just the other day doing Denver's uh, minutes projections and stat projections. It is yeah. it is ludicrous. You can't work it out because you end up going through it. And go, okay, so they're gonna have Moody. They're gonna have Harris. Oh, okay, then they've got Jamal Murray. Oh, Jameer Nelson will play some. Oh, there's Will Barton as well. What's he gonna do? Oh, then you get to the you know the three. Okay, Gallinari's. Oh yeah, but we've also got Wilson Chandler where's Wilson Chandler going to play? Um, Or maybe he plays the four. Yeah, he can play there with Farid and Hernan Gomez and Darrell Arthur and Jokic and Nurkic. And they go like 11 deep of players that you can legitimately see getting rotation minutes. And it is... Someone's going to miss out. And I don't know who it's going to be just yet. Jimmy Nelson's one of them. And I think Farid's going to struggle to uh, play more than the 23 minutes he played last year. The number two pick in this draft was Brandon Ingram. Um... There's a lot of hype about him um, in terms of a prospect. I've spoken to people who, who think that he was still a number one prospect in this draft and and whispers that you know the, the Sixers were still, they were actually considering him as the number one pick as well. So in a dynasty type format, it, it makes sense to grab him number two, but he's not going to have a massive impact this year. Mark, how do you view Ingram from a dynasty point of view and even from this year's sort of production?
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't value him highly this year. I mean, the the weight thing, especially that we keep hearing about, how he he hasn't put in on any weight since he left college. Like that's the thing with these.
1: Are you there, Mark? He's dropped. College,
2: that. he put on 20 pounds of muscle. He's a he's he looks like a different person. Yep. Ingram hasn't put on more than one pound. Uh, he was skinny to start with, so I have serious concerns whether he can get on an NBA court next year. Or not. Uh, his projection, like his translated stats from NCAA to NBA, aren't particularly uh, fantasy friendly. And, you know, I even if he gets starter level minutes next year, I think he's probably something like 10 points, five rebounds, and just under a steal and a block. Like I think he can have some impact on the on the defensive end, but I think he's a couple of years away at least, and I'm not sure. You know, when we, when we did a mock dynasty draft, I had the second pick, and I ended up taking Chris Dunn. I think he'll be more of a fantasy-friendly player, and I'm not sure he's such a worse prospect than Ingram that I wouldn't just invest in Dunn. Because I think, especially in the first couple of years, he'll have a lot more value. And my my philosophy is always, if you're going to, I don't make investments in fantasy that are three years out like that's just too long for me
1: when when I'm looking at dynasties I'm looking at two years and that's I, I assume that's how you're sort of looking at it as well Mark is it it's really hard to project what's happening by the end of this season let alone what's going to happen in four years time
2: exactly it takes a lot for me to look beyond this one single season actually but yeah beyond two seasons is is just such a crapshoot you just never know yeah so look Ingram and there was a great article and and podcast
1: actually from Tom Habistro over on ESPN talking about the weight gain of Ingram and how it's a, a long process and putting the weight on quickly is detrimental to his physical health and to his development as well so they're not going to rush putting the weight on. They're not going to be force-feeding him like uh, like Homer, sitting down with the devil, having those donuts <laughs> pumped into his mouth. They're not going to be doing anything like that because it's going to be worse for him. They're going to take their time, and that means that we're going to have to take our time in waiting for him to be good, and that might be his third season, and we saw plenty of skinny guys take that long. Janssen de Ducumpo came in skinny, and Ingram is a lot skinnier than de Ducumpo. De Ducumpo is massive now. He's just a massive, massive unit. But it took him time, and it's going to take that sort of time for Ingram. Uh, David Ingram at two, though, is that the direction you would have gone there?
0: Uh, no, I would have gone with Dunn. I think Dunn can have more impact in um, in his in his first season. I think the problem with Ingram is they've already, um, you know, they've brought in uh, Deng, and uh, although Deng's probably more of a power forward these days, they'll probably buy him a lot at center to uh, protect Ingram while he's um, putting on. Putting on weight and getting better. So, um, Lakers aren't going to win a lot of games this this year. So while they're going to be developing, you know whether he's playing thirty minutes a game, I'm not so sure. So, I'd certainly be playing Dunn, knowing that he's going to, or I think he'll get on the the court and uh, get some good defensive stats and be part of that three guard rotation. Now Dunn is an interesting
1: one because I'm getting into. Um, I don't want to say arguments because they're not arguments. Lots of discussions about Chris Dunn uh, online about people um, very much um, uh, pumping him up. Yeah, he's going to be yeah the man. Let's draft him and uh, and everybody is talking about Dunn. Yeah, you know, once once Thibodeau sees him, he's going to trade Rubio. Um, yeah, Dunn's an awesome defender. He's he's a great defender. And my counter that is also you know who's a better defender Rubio. Um, you know who's a better right. passer? Rubio. You know who's a, a bad shooter? Dunn. Like Dunn is a bad shooter. Dunn is a good defender. Rubio's a bad shooter. He's also a better passer. He's also a better um, playmaker. He's also a better defender. Um, he can also hit threes. Um, Dunn, not so sure he can hit threes. He can also convert his free throws. Dunn can't do that. Um, and you know who's also the worst coach in terms of playing rookies? Minnesota's coach. Tom Thibodeau. Just, he just won't play them. And. He, he just won't. And Dunn is a guy that I've got a marginal concern with because I always have concerns of guys that turn in big seasons when they're three years older than the players they're playing against, like Buddy Heald. Yeah, and Dunn's also suffered through t- two two torn labrums in his shoulder. That's not a great sign either. Um, and I just don't... I could see maybe Dunn supplanting Levine at, to a degree because Levine's defense isn't something that's going to really please Thibodeau all that much. But I don't think that all of a sudden they're going to see Dunn play for two months and go, "Cool, that's it, Rick. You're done. We're just going to give the keys." Yep, uh, Thibodeau. I know you love rookie point guards, so let's play Dunn thirty-five minutes a night. Uh, that to me is as <laughs> I, far. I, I actually totally as
2: well. agree with you, Josh. But why do you think they took him then?
1: I think they took him. I think they took him because they they do like what what he gives. Um, and at that point, I think they found that it was value. It was either going to be him or, or Jamal Murray. I would have taken Murray personally at that point. But I just... Look, they might. They might move on from Rubio next season, but they're not going to give the keys to a rookie point guard this year. I, I can't see them doing that. Um, Rubio's only two years older than Dunn as well, which I think a lot of people forget. He's two years older and he's got five years of NBA experience. And Dunn doesn't know... And what I'm he's certainly
0: done. not... And I'm not certainly not saying that, um, you know... Rubio's gone because I'm a big Rubio fan as well. I'm just saying that um, all NBA teams need that three or four guard rotation and no, I think that he's going to fit beautifully off the bench or, or as a you know a spot starter that they pull early for uh, Levine. Um, but I just think that you know that's what they're going to be looking for in Minnesota to get that de- defense in the backcourt.
1: What about um, Summer League MVP Tyus Jones?
2: <laughs> I, I... How do... Uh, That's a a good question.
1: I I make a joke, but I thought Jones was a pretty valuable player coming into the league as a draft pick. I thought it was a really good spot and I was clamoring for him to become the backup point guard last year. They just needed to get Andre Miller out of that role and eventually they did and he put together some nice games. So he's not a spud by any means. He's got... It definitely got value as, as a backup point guard in this league. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Dunn. Like a lot of people are thinking that Dunn's going to go out there and play 25 a night and I wouldn't be shocked if for at least the first months first first month or two you see Dunn getting 17 or 18 minutes a night from there from the beginning of the season.
0: I wonder what GM uh, Tibbs is uh, I wonder if GM Tibbs is going to change the way he coaches to some extent to um, to get some value in these guys, especially this year when they really need probably another star. In, in that team to uh, to build up the trade assets I'm
1: not uh, yeah it's, 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 it's I'll believe that unknown- when I see it yeah it's, at a terminal. it's a big unknown as to what he's going to do in this dual role but yeah I, I can't see him having a, a huge amount of change in his um, in his coaching style of let's play everyone into the ground as much as possible I, I can't see that being the case we talked about Dunn Dunn actually went pick 4 in this draft uh, Dragon Bender went number 3 which is it's definitely a ballsy pick it's definitely not a safe pick, but I am uh, I'm on board with Bender. I think Bender's going to be a, a significant player, but we're talking Brandon Ingram uh, time frame development. I'd say for him, you know, third or fourth season before he develops into even a passable fantasy talent. I think he's going to struggle this year. He does only have Jared Dudley in front of him as a starting four, so maybe he starts by the end of the year, but I'm not sure he's going to be all that good by the end of the season. But it's a bit of a ballsy pick, but. I actually believe that Bender has a higher upside than what Dunn does. I'm sure both of you disagree with that.
2: Um, You know, I haven't been the biggest Bender believer. Like, uh, the the translated stats that I've looked at seem to differ with what other people look at, so I've even gotten to the point where I, I think I may be making an error or something, but they, they don't look impressive to me, and I know that he's young, and, and I think that feeds into your, he's a few years away, but... I I'm kind of in the uh, camp on on Bender. Of, I want him to prove to me that he's not he's not a terrible player before I'm ready to invest in him.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's the risk with him there at that pick. But I'm 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 fully okay with uh with him making that selection there. At pick five, we went with Buddy Heald. Um, uh, not not a pick that I would have gone with, especially considering Jamal Murray was still on the board. David, <laughs> sorry, um, Buddy, what do you think
0: of him? Yep, given that uh you know I'm, I'm probably a shorter term thinker you guys think two three well, two to three years in advance i think first year i think um, i think buddy's gonna get minutes i think um, he potentially starts he gets his 30 minutes and he gets a lot of shots up so it's up to him to to fail and fall out of the uh the starting lineup or the rotation so i think they're gonna put everything they can into uh to buddy and just hope that he becomes that second star that they need out there
2: I don't think he's... Got... When, do you think, when do you think Murray gets minutes, Josh?
1: Yeah, that that's that's a, that's a struggle. I, I don't know how Murray gets minutes in Denver. No, I know how he gets minutes. I know how he gets 20 minutes because he'll be back up one and backup <laughs> two. I just don't know how right. he gets 30 minutes. And that's going to be, let's see how these guys develop in three years. And then we make a trade of Harris or we trade Moutier or we trade Murray or whatever we do. But I think the Murray has got... If you're looking for the future, Murray is a better... Now, I can see he, he was definitely going to have the better season than Murray this year. He's got, he's got a chance to become a top 100 fantasy player this year alone, um, just. But I also feel that he might do that, and then they'll just realise what his shortfalls are, and then they'll eventually replace him, and he'll go for one of those guys who had a good rookie season and then just continually sort of drops off over time and maybe peaks in his second or third year. Because I don't think there's any chance of him being that second star. I'm um, no, Even more so than done, I think Heald is a guy that really beat up on
0: young kids, in college, and it's funny that, yeah, it's funny you put it that way because you're right. If he has a really good three or four years before he uh, drops off, fantastic. You've got three or four years of someone that's going to contribute when you're paying him first round money. Yep. And... So to me, that makes it a really good pick. Yeah. Look, and if if again he's going
1: to have over the next three years in this dynasty format, he, he is the better pick there. But if you and it depends again, and this is why, um, yeah, you know, a lot of people are asking me do some dynasty rankings. Cool, but how? It, it, it's really, really impossible to do. do, do I'm sorry, <coughs> this voice is really struggling. <coughs> it's really hard to do dynasty rankings because how do you know how each team is uh, is planning or building for the future?
0: <coughs> I'll, ju- I'll jump in for you, Josh. So you're man. right because you can't do a, a dynasty rank because if uh, the team's looking for you know ten years ahead, well, I want ten years of Bender, I think. But, um, you know, dynasty leagues don't always last uh, 10 years, so I want to uh, be winning in the next few years. So, that's why you want to go a a buddy, so how do you rank that if you're putting a list together? It's it's impossible. Yeah,
1: it's Rankings themselves are a bit overrated, um, and I've talked about that plenty of times, and I I promise I am going to expand on that thought at some point. But dynasty rankings are almost literally impossible to put together because there is just a million ways of, of approaching it there are a million formats of dynasty leagues as well and it's never one size fits all i think the biggest surprise or the first surprise in this draft was pick seven mark or wade baldwin when it picked seven and i really like what baldwin can do i love his athleticism love his defensive length but at pick seven um how did you view that he went ahead of other lottery talents who were picked in the real draft ahead of him how did you view baldwin there
2: I mean, I, I guess if you're trying to make a case for it, like Wade Baldwin, his, his stats project pretty well. And and the truth is the reason I was in favor of Dunn is the same reason I like Baldwin, which is uh, rookies have as easy... When the rookie point guards have as easy of time of, of gaining fantasy value as anyone because assists... Once you get into, like, the four or five assist range, it's really easy to, to jump into the top yeah. 100. Uh, you know, comparatively to, like... How many rebounds do you have to get before you it pulls you into the top 100? You're probably looking at like 10 or 11 rebounds. But uh, so so from that standpoint, the the positioning is right. Like, um, and, and the player projects pretty well. But the 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 thing that I have a problem with Baldwin is the uh, situation he's in. Now like, you know, Memf- in Memphis where they just signed Conley to that. You know, like, isn't Conley the highest paid player in the league right now? Correct. I know I know the and salary cap is shot. changing all that that stuff, but. He has the biggest contract in the league right now, and and Baldwin is firmly behind him. So I don't know where the opportunity comes for Baldwin unless there is a trade.
1: The opportunity, I guess, comes from the fact that you might be concerned about Conley's Achilles. You might be concerned about the fact that Conley's had a few injuries over the last couple of years. Now, Conley, I reckon, in three years' time probably won't be a starter-caliber point guard, and that would allow Baldwin to slip into there, but that's still three three years away.
2: And somebody in somebody in Memphis just got sick. If they were listening to you, Josh. If
1: they aren't, uh, if they aren't aware of that, then I, I apologize. But yeah, Conley, in three, <laughs> the fifth year of that deal is going to be an absolute nightmare for for Memphis. It is mm-hmm. going to be dreadful. At thirty five million dollars, paying Conley at age thirty five or thirty four, it's not going to look pretty. And Baldwin should be the starter by then. Um, but the only good thing I say is they don't have any other point guard, like Andrew Harrison's the other guy. So Baldwin is going to be able to absorb at least 20 minutes or 18 minutes from the get-go, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I think um, Memphis have one of the most interesting off-seasons. I mean, they had no choice but to re-sign everyone because they've got no draft picks in the near future. So they only have to be good for the next three years before they could actually rebuild. Yeah. So, um, you know, getting some uh, younger guys and getting Baldwin, who can probably play alongside Mike Conley as well. He's got some size about him. That's it. But uh, and backing up Conley, uh, I, I think there's a really good path to minutes. So it might be a bit of a roller coaster of minutes. So some time, some months he might play 30 minutes, others he might be back to 18 as just a pure backup. But uh, I actually really like that pick for uh, the fact that he's going to contribute this year. That's a great point,
1: David, is that I think that Baldwin can play the two, and at the two, there's Tony Allen, and that is not a massive roadblock. It's not a contractual roadblock. It's not a playing ability roadblock, and if Baldwin shows that he can play off the ball some, then there's a real chance that he can take a a starting two-guard job away from um, Allen in the near future, and it's not Baldwin will be a, a decline on Allen in defense, but if we look at it, Objectively, Tony Allen's defense last year wasn't the same Tony Allen defense, and Baldwin has got the potential to be an adequate defender as a rookie. And if you get a rookie guard who is an adequate defender, I you can't really ask for anything more than that. And that might mean that that pathway to minutes means that there's a chance by his second season he's a starting two, and he's got the length, he's got the size. And David, it's a great point you bring up, and in the end, it's a it's a pretty decent pick. Let's run through some of these next guys. Denzel Valentine went at eight. <clears throat> Jalen Brown went at nine. Thon Maker went at 10. Ivica Zubac went at 11. And Maki's Chris went at 12. The two interesting things there for me is the fact that Zubac, a second-round draft choice, went at pick 11. Now, Mark, I know that you are uh, you are probably the vice president of the Ivica Zubac fan
2: club. You would have uh, enjoyed that pick there. Absolutely. Um, right now on, on our website, there's I have some rookie rankings that, that show how everybody would rank if they all played the exact same number of minutes. Zubak was my number one rookie as a, as a prospect, and I loved him. And I can't remember, did this draft start before the free NBA free agency period or after? No, we started the 1st of August. I liked him a little bit more before they went out and signed Mozgov. Not that, that Mozgov is is a a beacon of health or somebody who's going to take a ton of minutes. So I think that there's still plenty of opportunity for Zubak, but uh, I was kind of hoping they'd strike out and uh, Zubak would have a a path to be the starter there because I would have, I would have potentially thought about taking him as the top rookie in a, in a year, in a year long league, not a dynasty league, probably still go with Simmons. But if, if Zubak had any chance to start this year, I would, I'm pretty high on him. Absolutely, uh, I think he rebounds well. I think he scores well. I think he's going to block a ton of shots. I think he's going to shoot efficiently. I'm I'm really excited about him. He was a, that guy that if he was the starter, he was going. He,
1: he was a he was a top 70ish type talent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for what he can put up, and <clears throat> you mentioned Mozgov's in front of him. Tariq Black's there as well. But seriously. There's a real <laughs> argument to be made by February That Zubac is playing that well That he's just going to start Like forget the and the Mozgov's being played Zubac is just better And at this point yeah, I would say that Mozgov is still a better player But it's not going to take long but how
2: many minutes can Mozgov really play? Like play He's through, kind yeah. of in that Yeah he's the starter But he's 25 to 28 yep. minutes a game
1: Exactly. I think 28's a stretch. I think 25 is probably where you're, you're looking right. at. Um, look, Black is very much an underrated player, but he's six-nine. He's not big. Um, Zubac is 19 years old. He's 7 foot tall. He's got good touch. He's a good shot blocker. He, The Lakers should be viewing him as their starting center of the future. That's how good this guy is. And you'll see a lot of comments... Now, I heavily, um, as many of the people in this league will know, I heavily invest myself in in looking at the international prospects because that's where a real market inefficiency is because you'll see that when Zubac played that first summer league game, Twitter was just, who is this guy? I didn't know this guy was good. I didn't understand what I've been telling you this guy is good for weeks. This is where the market inefficiency lies. In my other 30-team dynasty league, we did the draft before summer league. I grabbed Zubac at pick 19, I think it was. No, pick 23, I think it was, like really late. Because like, this guy is that good. He's going to get... And is yeah, I would have probably
2: route. taken him top five at that point.
1: I, I, if I had had a pick at that point, I would have. But I, he's, yeah. he slid because people don't view these guys. like This draft, for as weak as it is, it is stacked with international guys who are going to be really good. And we're going to talk about a couple of them soon. But Zubac is going to be really, really good. And... He, <laughs> The players in front of him are of no concern to me. He will he has a real chance to be a starter and playing twenty eight minutes by the time that March and April hits this season. So I love the pick. Just out of curiosity, Mark, who was the second guy on your dynasty on your rookie rankings for this season? Uh
2: one guy that's not coming over is Zizic. Yep. He was right up there, and Denzel Valentine. Yep, yeah,
1: exactly. I had I had Valentine and Zubach as my top two guys as well. And Valentine went here at pick eight. Now he's in a similar situation with Rondo and Wade and Butler in front of him, and really would have loved it before the Rondo and Wade signings because Valentine would have gotten 25 minutes and would have been an awesome fantasy prospect. But that that is a great pick.
2: There that. was a sliver of time where I thought like things were really working out for Valentine, where it looked like Butler, like on draft night, Butler might be on the way out oh, the door, yeah. and like Dunn is coming in. And you didn't know that Wade was coming. You didn't know Rondo was coming. And anyway, I, but that yeah, that door is totally closed now. I think with Wade and it Butler is. and Rondo all there. But I think Valentine. And
0: how exciting were the Bulls going to be with uh, you know running Butler with the the ball in his hand and having uh, Valentine and uh, Miritich? They were actually going to be able to run Hoiberg's offense, and that would have been a fantastic uh, team to be watching this year. Now right. it's just a dumpster fire and. We're two years <laughs> off watching a, a decent Chicago
1: Bulls team again. Yeah, don't, don't get me started, David. Seriously, that's... Yeah, <laughs> Marky's Mark, Chris went at pick 12. I think he's got massive bust potential. I'm a little bit worried. He's extraordinarily young. He looks like he's 14 years old. <clears throat> so there's a chance he can develop. The uh, last four picks of the first round, Juan Hernan Gomez, Demantis Sabonis, Karis Levert, which is who I picked, and Ante Zizic. So you'll see a lot of international guys there. Hernan Gomez is a real interesting pick there to me. Oh, he's got a chance to be a top six talent out of this draft, I reckon. He, he's that good. Um, but as we talked about with Denver before, David, how can he possibly get the minutes?
0: Absolutely no idea. Um, they're going to run with some Jokic, Nurkic. They've got to keep running for it. They've got to keep some value up because they do need to make that big trade. You've got uh, Galanari coming back contract year. It's, it's just so full at the moment that he might not even see court time, I don't think, for the first few months while they're trying to get everyone else settled.
1: Well, I'm going to put this theory out there to both of you guys. Um, Hernan Gomez was initially thought that he would not come over this year, that he would stay in Spain. He decided that he would come over there. Now, I will, I will posit this to you, Mark. I think that he came over because they said to him, you will be playing... A role you have got a set role and that to me means that someone is out of that front court and that person is Farid he would not have come over for them to say cool we will play you six minutes a night every third game why would he have done that
2: no I, th- I mean that's logical it, it, with everything you hear about Farid is, is how temperamental he is and how likely the, the, the nuggets are to just completely lose him if they move him to the bench so it sounds like it's a tricky situation there with him but uh, they don't seem to be in love with Fareed anymore, so I mean, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they move him. Um, they've got it. Like The rotation just makes no sense. F-
1: Fareed is not part of their future. He played 23 minutes a, a night. I'd be a little
2: surprised if they made that, if they made that kind of, sort of promise, but uh, at the same time, it doesn't make sense why he would have come over otherwise.
1: F- Fareed is not part of their future, Mark. He, he played 23 minutes a night last year. He... Couldn't see you saw twenty four or twenty five minutes a night under Brian Shaw. He, he's not he's not playing under Malone. He doesn't really offer a huge amount as a starter for any sort of team. They've got players who are clearly better than him and players who've got higher potential than him. I can see him being shipped off and it's David, you mentioned a big trade. I don't think a trade for Reed's gonna be a big trade at any point. You might get a pick in the twenties for him. That might be about about it if you get anything. He's just not his contract's good. Even it looked terrible at one point. It, it's yeah. good now, but
0: he's, 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 he, a, he's, he's a great first uh, big man off the bench. Yeah, so yeah, if you he can that, get a mid-to-light late 1st for him, fantastic. I yeah. mean, we're talking about, was he an Olympic gold medalist or just he a world gold, gold medalist? Yeah, he had, had some, yeah. some great... Let's, let's, the let's play problem play is play. I'm
2: not sure he's willing to play that role. Yeah, like exactly. I think he thinks he's an Olympic gold medalist. He's a starter. Like, So I think that kind of hurts his trade value, actually.
0: So I tried him for a second rounder and that's the kick up the butt that he probably needs to uh, work out where he's at in the league these days. Uh, I I just I don't I don't, that I, don't I don't believe in him. I don't I don't buy him as a
1: as a good player. I, I yeah, I don't believe in him. Anyway, I took Karis LeVert with pick 15 in this uh, draft. I uh, much like you Mark, I'm looking for some sort of production. Now it's a risk for me because of LeVert's foot, but we talk about opportunity and if he's fit and healthy, like who who's who's stopping him from getting twenty five to twenty eight minutes a night? And he had, no, well, he has top ten talent. He's got top ten upside, and he's also a guy that handles the ball, which I don't think many people realize. I think he averaged four or five assists per game per forty minutes in college, and in Brooklyn, they got Lynn who handles the ball. They don't have any any other secondary ball handlers in that. In and it's not like Lennon's a pure point guard either. No. So if if Levert somehow is healthy, and he's not healthy yet, he's not even playing yet, but if he's healthy, there's a chance by January that he's supplanted Boyan Bogdanovich as a starter, and that's, again, not crazy, as a dual ball handler with Jeremy Lin, and he's playing 28 minutes, and he could he could be the guy that is the second in rookie value this year behind Ben Simmons if it all breaks right. It could break wrong in both a, literally, a literal and figuratively sense in terms of his foot just breaking in half again, and then I've just screwed that pick. But Levert has got tremendous upside to me. Did, did your um, uh, rankings like him?
2: Yeah, I have him right, right outside the top 100 uh, if he played 30 minutes a game. Yeah. So obviously a pretty favorable pick. Um, and like you said, assist-wise, he, he projects almost as many assists as Dunn does. Exactly. So... That's an easy way for him to get up into the top top 100.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of no, people I, I won't like realize pick. that. A lot of people won't realize that those, and that's that's what sold me on that pick. Is that I just wanted to get this guy who's going to be shooting guard eligible, but it's also going to give me potentially, and it's got the ability to go four and a half, five assists a game, maybe if everything uh, works in the right direction. That's the end of the first round. The second round became interesting in this in this league because. In our first round, the salaries, it's a, got a rookie scale, and so it was 24 bucks for the first pick, and then the last three picks of the first round were $11, and they're all locked into four-year contracts. In the second round, you can choose the contract length, and every player in the second round was worth $6. Every player in the third round was worth $3. So these guys here, you could take them and decide, okay, I'm going to get them at a cheaper rate, and I can decide how long I want to keep my roster. We started off round two with... Uh, well, we started ended round one with one team picking Ante Zizic, and then he had the next four picks in round two. So he loaded up on round two picks, and this is where a lot of the guys that I really like started going off the board. Tyler Eulis, Deontay Davis, Czech Diallo, and Malcolm Brogdon all went in that uh, at that start of the second round. Talk about opportunities. Diallo has got Alexey Jintzer and Omar Asik in front of him. Now, he's pretty raw, but... Again, I think that he's got a real chance to become a, a significant pairing with Anthony Davis maybe next season, maybe this season. I think that he's going to play that well that these other guys like Ashik, and I like Ajinza, but Diallo's got the higher upside out of all those guys. Tyler Eulis is going to be locked in, I think, to a 20-minute role throughout his NBA career as a career backup, and that's that's fine in a league that goes 400 players deep. When you're getting him in round two at six bucks, I think that's pretty decent value. How do you see these picks, David? Is there anyone out of those four uh, picks that started that second round that you went in not too sure about that?
0: Look, I I didn't like the DLA pick, actually, because, let's face it, Davis has got to be playing centre. At some point, they have to make that decision that he's got to move over to centre. It's his best position. That's where the league's going. Pace and space, you know, he's just added to to the depth, but um, he'll be so far down that depth chart, I think, that he just might not even see minutes.
1: Interesting perspective. Mark, how do you see it?
2: You know, I, I think they're a little worried to move over Davis full-time to center. I could see them playing those two together. The thing I... I mean, it's anybody's guess how, how they're going to play him. The thing I will say about Diallo that, that I like a lot is, is other than Zubak, he projects to have as many blocks as anybody in this yeah, draft yeah. class. So when you're talking about big exactly. guys, one of the things that usually sets, a, sets them apart fantasy-wise is Is whether they block shots or not and this guy definitely blocks shots he's going to rebound for you he's going to block shots for you and that's usually a pretty good combination to get you a lot of fantasy value even in limited minutes so that's that's what i like about him um you know i i guess i'm on the fence whether i think he can get a lot of minutes or not i think from memory he was
1: the mvp of the mcdonald's high school american game um and was just completely sort of shafted in Kansas last season. So he sort of slid under the radar. But look, it's all going to be dependent on what they do with Davis. I think part of the thing with Davis is they don't have a four either, unless they're going to play Solomon Hill there, which they might but they don't really have a four that can just slide in and go, we're going to play the four so Davis can play the five. They don't have a great four either. So if Diallo shows that he's good enough, then maybe maybe Diallo can play some four. I'm, I'm not really sure at this point. It, yeah, probably not. But I like the other picks. Davis is in a good spot as a second rounder in Memphis with an aging front court. Um, and Malcolm Brogdon, is, again, these are all players that they draft in these first four picks that are going to be guys that you feel like, especially Euless and Brogdon, they're just going to you know, be solid rotation guys for a really long time.
0: Well, Brogdon made the uh, USA select team, didn't he? He's really good. He's,
1: he's, he's really good. He's a great defender already. And again, I talked about rookie guards. If you can be an average... rookie to guard as a defender you're going to get playing time and and Brogdon has a chance to be a slight plus on that end as well and you might see it similar to a Dante Exum situation where he was just terrible offensively but they just kept playing him because he was so good defensively and Brogdon is going to be that guy and again the guy that's in front of him really it's Michael Carter-Williams and Matthew Delavidova and they're not fantastic players and there's a chance
0: if Brogdon really shows up and he's with uh, Jason Kidd, who doesn't mind uh, turning over a rotation, so he's uh, probably in line for a few weeks here and there anyway. Yeah, he's he's going to he's gonna get some opportunities, so I think it's a solid pick there. The rest, the next few
1: picks, and this is the interesting thing about this dynasty draft, is the next four picks, we had Bryce Johnson, then we had Scal LeBissier, which I think is a brilliant pick at that spot, because there's no chance that Boogie Cousins is remaining in Sacramento in the next two years, and Scal, I think, is a real chance to become the starting centre there in two years' time. It's a little bit of future investment, but I think Scal has been uh, overlooked a lot the next two picks Yuka Purtle and Torian Prince so we had Yuka Purtle got picked 23 he went at pick 9 in the NBA draft and Torian Prince went at pick 24 here and he went at pick 12 in the NBA draft so we're seeing a, a discrepancy between NBA draft ranks and uh, dynasty fantasy ranks do you think that um, mark either of those guys went too low
2: no i, I especially the well let me talk about the Purtle one first i think that makes sense i think Purtle Hey there, Mark. team who has a, a solid front court rotation i don't think they're going to have a long leash for a, a rookie and so i think he slotted in until a roster change he slotted in for a maximum of 15 to 18 minutes a game um you know he can do a lot in those 15 to 18 minutes but there's such a such a low ceiling on that on that player right now i don't know that i would have been really excited to pick him in the top 10 in a, in a dynasty format even. I'll say this about Pirtle, um, is
1: that I think that yeah, uh, go ahead. Uh, well, not, I think that he is currently the third center on that depth, depth chart. Beben Aguera is the backup center at this point, and, and Jared Salinger will be getting backup center minutes as well, so Pertle is way down the list.
2: Mm-hmm. Pirtle could not play really at all this year.
1: Yeah, he might just play for Raptors right. 905, and that's what, that's what they do with a lot of their rookies, and I'm not sure that he's really going to be able to push into rotational minutes
2: totally agree
1: um, Prince another guy let's just adding to that Atlanta wing situation doesn't really have a set role at this point he's not going to do a huge amount I'm not in love with that the next few picks Timotei Lawawo Cabareau uh, Deontay Murray Henry Allenson and then I picked Pat McCaw at pick 28 that was the pick that I traded I traded with you David to get up into that second round and you could take my third round pick so I took Patrick McCaw and McCaw's pathway to minutes is pretty limited playing on the Warriors because we know who they've got there but if Andre Igadala gets hurt again, or if he slides somewhat, then McCaw, you know, I think that he was, his defense, again, will be good enough to be entrusted to play some minutes. Yeah, they lost Brandon Rush. They lost um, another guy who's completely slipped my mind, Leandro Barbosa, out of that wing rotation and someone's going to have to absorb some of those now is it going to be Ian Clark or is Pat McCaw going to get some of that I think McCaw is going to get some of that and picking a pick 28 in a rookie draft I think that he's a, a pretty nice value pick I also like the DeJonte 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 I don't know DeJonte Murray pick Um, Tony Parker not great at the moment Patty Mills not going to be a starter Murray could be the starting point guard for this team in, in two seasons time he's got a lot of upside he also could be terrible David how do you see the, uh, Murray there
0: yeah, it looked really like Murray for exactly the the reasons you said, although Paddy Mills was looking awesome uh, this morning as he the was. Boomers took out uh, France. Uh, it was uh, good to see a, a return of form. Um, but definitely there is a, a road to minutes. So whether that's in the first year, probably not, but uh, by, by the second year he could be doing back-up minutes and by the third he could be a starter. So you always got to be careful of those um, San Antonio uh, late picks. They always tend to be pretty good. but I guess the, the the one that I wanted to make a comment on was uh, Henry Ellenson. Yep. I could see him not being in the league in four years. He's not over-athletic, he's got an okay shot, but he is so deep on that depth chart. You know, you've got Harris, Lure in front of him already, Marcus Morris plays some uh, power forward. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like yeah, and, and they're they're pretty deep at center as well. Like, oh, I just can't see where he's going to get minutes. This could be one of those ones where he doesn't even uh, get his, you know, rookie options.
1: Mark, how do you see Allen I'm I'm with you, David. How do you see it?
0: Well, it's not like Stan Van Gundy is
2: exactly like known for. It it, it definitely could go poorly there. Like, uh, Ellison could totally fall out of favor and out of the rotation. I'm not sure how he gets minutes. Um, not like the pieces above him are, are franchise cornerstones either. So uh, I, it'll be up to him. I I don't I don't know that I would want to take him anywhere higher than the third round of a of a dynasty league, though.
1: Yeah, 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 I'm not... a guy. I would have preferred a few of those other guys after him. Uh, Georges Papianas went next. DeAndre Bembry in the last two picks of the second round. Furkan Korkmaz and Joe Chi. Two guys who aren't coming over this year and they can be stashed. Because we have a minor league in this league where you can put guys in that minor league until they play an NBA game. Um, So if they enter the season with no NBA games, they can be stashed in the minor league. They don't count against your salary cap. They don't count against your roster budget. So... Um, the, the pick of Corkmaz and the pe- pick of Chi, that they means they're going to have at least two seasons of eligibility to be stashed in our minor League. So they're basically they're just free picks there. We're heading to the third round, David, and you are uh, entering the fray here with making a pick. Kay Felder went at pick one, but you picked Paul Zipser with the pick that used to be my pick. Um, talk us through what made you go with Zipser at that point.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked. So uh, you'd be aware that you do a lot of podcasts and uh, you yeah, talk about a lot of the players you love. Yep. So I went and watched some uh, video on him and I was very impressed uh, with he's uh, shooting, he looks like an athlete but I love the fact that he's a really good passer and he makes some, some great defensive stops as well. So thanks for putting that one out for me And uh, but when I did my research I thought, geez this guy could actually be a rotation player in the next two or three years. Yeah. Again, the dumpster fire in Chicago, <laughs> imagine if you didn't have um, your rondo on Wade and uh, Zipsa could be a rotation player well, this year, playing sort of as a backup to, to McDermott and Miritich.
1: I think he's going to play a fair bit in uh, for the Windy City Bulls, but he's better than I think he's better than Tony Snell already, so he can jump into that spot. But the passing is something that's really good for him as well. As a wing, um, he, he can shoot the three a little bit as well. Defense is good. Um, do you have anything to say on Zipser, Mark? He has a really cool name for somebody who's good at passing. He, he, yeah, that's true I never I didn't even think of it in that sense but I, I do really like that pick um, David that, that's a guy that I would have been targeting at that spot talk about the way the draft sort of works out the next pick was Malik Beasley so the pick 19 in the draft he went at pick 35 ahead of or behind plenty of second rounders talk about Murray how does he get minutes Malik Beasley is in that situation times three like how does he get minutes in Denver he's like the fifth shooting guard on the death chart and everyone ahead of him is young I I He's got talent, no doubt, and Denver just amassing a great group of guys. And I really do like Beasley, but it's going to take a lot for him to get some some minutes uh, initially. We ended, not ended. We went into Demetrius Jackson, uh, AJ Hammonds, George Nyang, uh, Rade Zagorach and Gershon Yabusele as the uh, the next bunch of picks. Nothing
2: too interesting with any of those guys, Mark. I, Hammond's ended up uh, coming out really high in my uh, yep. in my projections and I think did Dallas give him a three year guaranteed deal
1: they gave him a three year deal I don't know if it's awfully guaranteed though
2: yeah so he's somebody who I'm kind of watching I mean Bogut's there Bogut plays limited minutes uh, Rick Carlisle is obviously if you were making a pros and cons list would be in the cons list of, oh, of Hammond's because he's not he's not apt to play a lot of rookie minutes but I think Hammond's projects out to, to be pretty good. Like I think you know, my player comps on him were were Chris Kamen and Keon Clark. For So for a third rounder, somebody who could go in and do some rebounding and blocking some shots again, that's that's an easy path to fantasy value. Um, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on him. Otherwise, I, I'm not too interested in any of those other guys. Hammonds has got a three-year guaranteed deal, and then he's got a
1: fourth-year team option. So yeah, he's got...
2: Yeah, I, I kind of think Dallas thinks they have something with Hammonds, and it, I'm just... It'll be interesting to see if Carlisle agrees or not and, and how soon he's willing to play him. Because yeah. I think he'll be productive when he gets on the court. It's just just a question of when, if and when that ever, ever really happens.
1: Speaking of uh, Dallas Sanders, I think Bogut's going to have a really um, a really good season this year. He's going to be forced to take more shots and be more involved. And maybe that means he plays less games and yeah, that all that stuff might happen. But I think he's in a really nice spot. Rade Zagorac is a player that's going to be stashed, same as Gershon Yvesele. um Next, next or I'll run through the rest of the picks in this draft. Chinana Onwaku, Isaiah Whitehead, Malachi Richardson, again, a first-rounder that went here at pick 43. Uh, Peter Corneli, Damian Jones, Gary Payton, who wasn't drafted at all. Pascal sakem another first round pick who went second last in this draft and diamond stone now david you picked uh peter Corneli, which i think is a great great pick so you've gone international with your two picks Corneli looks like he's a fair distance away and he just fits into how the hell does he play behind jokic and nurkic but he looks like he can be an impactful shot blocker as well he's just going to be yeah two years away from coming over i'd say which gives you a bit of flexibility to stash him as
0: well exactly so i'll stash him for three years um you know, I was uh, very much uh, doing everything on the fly by this point, and uh, working out who who I was going to pick. Um, the reason I went with him in the end is geez, Denver's been great at um, picking, uh, you know, Europeans lately. So, and I thought, well, he seems seems to check out as a good three-point shooter. Denver want him. We'll see. See you in two to three years, mate. It's going to be good times. Yeah, I I, um, I think the same yeah. thing with him. Can we go back to Yibisole? Yep. How how do do, um, guys that go over to China for a year, is that great for development? Um, It's a pretty funny league, the way they play. I mean, two two imports on the the court at any one time. Uh, They're playing against guys that are half their size. It's it's not great. uh, Yeah, look, he'll put up some
1: just stupid numbers. I'm not sure how good it is for their development, though. But we haven't seen many guys get drafted and then go over there. Um, I can't think of anyone who's really. I'm sure there is. Yeah, really that's like... what's
2: kind of interesting about this situation is because the Celtics presumably, I would think, are supportive of the yeah, idea yeah. of him going to the league. And I think you're right, David. Like that's not that's not the league that you would probably think of sending somebody to if you wanted them to develop. So I I, I would be curious to hear what Danny Ainge is thinking with that or. Or, or what the situation really is there because I agree. I, I, I'm curious whether he's going to be able to develop there or not.
0: He's gonna, yeah, he's I have a lot of respect numbers. for Moudier going uh, over there um, as, a, as a young bloke because from a cultural experience, there is no different than, uh, than, than heading over to China. So from a growth perspective, fantastic. But from an actual basketball and learning the right way to play, conditioning i'm not sure are they taking their own guys over to uh to help them out because the chinese actually train in a different manner as well so i don't know it uh it just seemed a little strange to me I, i think you'd almost have been better off coming over to uh to play in australia for you know 150 grand and uh and just playing i guess in a proper way against some bigger guys
1: i reckon that the celtics will um We'll send someone over there with him. I would be, I would be shocked if there's not someone at, at some point going over there, at least spending a fair bit of time uh, with him. I think that they, I don't know, but I I think that that's what they'd be, what they'd be looking to do with that pick. But yeah, he was a, he just was an interesting player at summer league. He is big. Um, he shows flashes. He also shows flashes of nothingness. So we'll see how it works out. But when you're picking at these late. Points in the in the draft you know, and with the ability to stash a guy, you know, we saw a number of these guys getting picked in this in this round: Zagorac, Yveselay, um, Corneli, Cornelie, um, all these guys being able to be stashed. It's uh, it works out well in, in that sense. That's it. That's the end of our uh, discussion on our dynasty draft. There's some interesting things, and I think you see the way that these first round players slip, and a lot of second rounders go ahead of them. You know, like the, we saw, if it's Zubac, a second round pick, I'll pick eleven. Um, yeah, really high Tyler Euless at 17 Deontay Davis at 18 Chick Diallo at 19 Brogdon at 20 they're all second round draft choices in the NBA but going in the top 20 of this dynasty league for fantasy value and a lot of you will listen to this and think I mean, that might not apply to my dynasty league and that's just sort of backing up my takes on dynasty rankings it all changes but you got to always and that's the number one thing with any fantasy league work out your league work out the intricacies of it work out the not necessarily loopholes but work out where the inefficiency lies what you can do to take advantage of certain things and that might make a trade look dumb on the surface to others but makes sense to you in terms of what you're doing in your league david um it was great to have you on the podcast finally Um, best of luck for all of your leagues that i'm not playing against you in this season thank you and to you mark good to have you back on the show it's been a while um what have you got uh anything you got interesting coming up
2: no, not, not not really. Working on some projections, though, hopefully to have them out sooner rather than later.
1: Good luck. I, I too, am working on uh, on projections at the moment. And, yeah, and I've said this before as well, Mark. I'm not sure if you're finding it, but I reckon that this season, more than any season, we're just going to see a lot of um, timeshare sort of situations with jobs of guys playing. Instead of playing 33 minutes, they're playing 27 minutes. And the next guy plays 22 minutes. And just lots of guys... And uh, there was a comment on Twitter the other day, oh, yeah, I don't want Leonard because he doesn't play 36 minutes. Like No one does. No one plays those minutes there's anymore. Like, there's
2: like four players who play over 36 minutes no, a
1: game now. I think I think Matt Smith had a stat. I think four, only 40 guys played over 33 minutes. Like No one plays minutes. Yeah. Everyone yeah. plays... And part of it is a sports science, a rest, a health thing. Part of it is there's just also a lot of talent in the league, and you just want to get these other guys onto the court as well. And unless you're an upper... of player then the difference between you and the guy behind you is not great so you might get 27 minutes and you might get your mate might get 23 minutes behind you and that's fine, but that's just going to make fantasy drafts from pick 60 onwards just a complete who knows Who? what the hell's going to happen. And you're going to have the guys between 60 and 180 be separated by not a huge amount in a lot of cases. And we're in to pick 180, to pick 200 in some of these dynasty leagues. And there's guys that are available who are still potential starters and still potentially could be top 100 guys because you just don't know how a lot of this is going to pan out because there's just a lot of talent in the league at the moment that despite every single person who ever played in the nba previously saying that the league's shit there's just an exorbitant amount of talent in the league at the moment and it's really stretching the rotations out that was a long way long-winded way of me saying their projections are hard mark where can everyone follow you on twitter you can go to at mark f roberts mark was with a c and uh your website where those are uh, rookie rankings you are referencing are
2: yeah daily fantasy basketball
1: Check that out. David, if anyone wants to follow you on Twitter, where can they do that? I am at Hopposaurus. TPA saurus Source. so you can go and follow David there you can follow Mark obviously at Mark F. Roberts you can follow me at RedRock underscore Beeble, leave a review for this podcast and a ranking if you are so inclined, also the uh, Locked On Network is partnering with FanRag Sports you might have seen FanRag Sports which is uh, the guys that produced today's Fast Break so go and check out the guys at today's Fast Break lots of good content over there and you'll see all of the Locked On podcasts being posted over on that side as well, subscribe to all the Locked On podcasts, there's lots of great stuff for the specific teams, you'll find some great knowledgeable hosts and a lot of great information coming through those shows guys thank you for uh, for coming on today and uh, and uh, speaking to me
2: oh it's a pleasure Josh thanks for having me
0: no problem David thanks mate you've uh, ticked something off my bucket list so I uh, appreciate it
1: <laughs> no worries alright guys thank you so much for listening everyone see ya
0: the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's
2: fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free.
1: Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits.
2: Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.